everybody, and welcome back to Aligning America. I'm your host, Vincent Miller, and let's get right into things. Our first story today is going to be Trump's Twitter ban. Now, I'm sure you've heard of it, at least in a joke, a meme, regardless, uh, on Facebook. Maybe your uncle posted. Who knows? But Trump has been banned off of Twitter, and this has multiple ramifications that actually go a bit further than just Trump himself. The social implications. A lot of Republicans and right-wing commentators and even media personalities have now been remarking on Trump's Twitter ban as a silencing of the leader of the free world, which, of course, not even taking into account who Trump is and what he's done and any of that. You just have to take into account how ridiculous that sounds that the voice of the free world comes from a man on Twitter. It doesn't. Now, Trump's deplatforming off off of Twitter has largely been around his involvement with the riot at the Capitol, the insurrectionist riot at the Capitol that has now led to Trump being essentially targeted as someone who incited the riot, which incited violence, which goes against Twitter's term of service, which as a private company, it has the ability to do whatever it pleases on its platform. Now, yes, it does seem a bit ridiculous that they come to ban him now, which, of course, he has already incited violence before and they have neglected to do anything. He's broken their terms of service multiple times, as have many elected leaders. So my question is why they don't ban others. And and it does seem to appear to be at least a moment of pandering to the the left, the Democrats. But regardless, I think they're 100 percent within their rights to do so. The ramifications now, of course, being that Donald Trump does not have the instantaneous and direct contact with his base, which seems to have cut the head off the snake, which is what Twitter, I imagine, wanted to do. Jack is a noted liberal. He's Jack Dorsey, the owner of Twitter. Uh, He is noted to be anti-Trump. This is something that is out in the open. So unlike people like Zuckerberg, who appear or try at least to appear impartial and just as a mogul oligarch in the shadows, it doesn't work with Jack. So his banning of Trump off Twitter, of course, has now incited multiple hashtags. There were many Trump supporters changing their profile picture to be Donald Trump, to look and emulate Donald Trump. There were a lot of QAnon supporters on Twitter as well. And then they transitioned over to Parler, which we will get into. Parler being the Republican version of Twitter. It was a company created to be essentially a Republican Twitter, one where there was no censorship. There is no rules of service or terms of service that are supposed to be followed like rules on Twitter. Essentially, it's not supposed to be a place for liberals. It's supposed to be a, a Twitter for conservatives. Now, Parler has been indicted by multiple federal resources as possibly being a hotbed for this Capitol riot and has put a lot of pressure on Amazon, who have now revoked those servers. And now Parler may go down if they cannot find a host website to keep them up. Uh, It was removed off of the Apple Store and the Google Play Store, making it essentially unusable for any mobile devices and meaning that it, it could only be accessed through the computer, through a PC, which obviously is is. I suppose, a pretty big barrier to entry when you're looking at social media. So Parler was sort of kneecapped by a conglomerate of media organizations, which is then again reinforcing that idea that the liberal media conglomerates are silencing Republican voices. Though, of course, Donald Trump does have the press room he could walk out to and take questions at any time. He could make a statement at any time, but he chooses not to, as it's been a very unpopular day for Donald Trump, very unpopular week for Donald Trump, if we're all being honest. Following the riots, there have been a number of actions that have been taken against Donald Trump, which we will get into later. But on the whole, regarding the social media platform, it is an interesting dichotomy to see Donald Trump being deplatformed. And what has happened since? Not much. It has only emboldened those companies and it has only emboldened that level of self-regulation through those companies by Amazon, by Google and Apple and all of this 
it really only backfired on the Republicans who then had tried to strike for more rights in these companies. Though, of course, this is only possible because Donald Trump appointed Ajit Pai to the chairman of the Federal Communications Commission, which enabled him to remove certain laws and regulations previously known by a few names. But essentially, removing net neutrality made it possible for these companies to have more say in how they ran themselves, more quite honestly, deregulated and free market capitalist approach to regulating their own websites. This, of course, means that Twitter is only using the powers invested in it by the Republican chairman and the Republican Congress and government, which honestly is a bit ironic, of course, but it it does call into question. If you're going to get angry about these companies using their, I suppose, First Amendment rights to shut down hate speech, whatever, does that then prove the Republicans wrong? Or does it mean that the Republicans need to reevaluate their stance on social media? Because, of course, we notice every single time that there's an issue with Twitter, if it's a Democrat being removed, the Democrats riot. If it's a Republican being moved, the Republicans riot. They all there's a huge protest. Cancel this, cancel that. The Republicans always fight being canceled. Democrats always fight to cancel somebody. This endless struggle is then negated by the all-powerful social media company who was only given that all-powerful ability by the Republicans. So it does call into question, should the government have a handle on this? Should the government be able to step in? I don't know. Personally, I don't think so. It's a private company. It's well within their rights to do anything. However, I do think that the monopolistic practices by Twitter, Amazon, and whatnot do pose a problem because places like Parler can get kneecapped instantaneously. Now, that doesn't mean I supported Parler. That doesn't mean I support the people and actions, words, anything done on Parler. However, it does sort of act as a warning to leftists and people, Democrats, anyone on the left who feels that they are safe on Twitter. It can all change in a heartbeat. Jack Dorsey could step down and a new CEO could step up and ban anything he's so pleased. So it is important to keep in mind that while, yes, these social media companies have largely stood for the Democratic majority for a long time, that does not always have to be the case. So it is it is a dangerous game to play by handing over power to these companies who can, yes, who can widely disenfranchise the voter bases of, of people like Donald Trump and then could just as easily turn against Bernie Sanders and AOC and Nancy Pelosi. So, yes, I do believe that while it is well within the rights and the actions taken were well within the rights of the company, it serves as a stark reminder that these companies, these few men, few companies, regardless, they hold almost all of the power, especially in our our day to day lives where we interact with other people on things like social media or buying things through websites like Amazon. And it's a dangerous game to play when seven or eight people get to make all the decisions at the top. And it, it resembles very closely a capitalist oligarchy that we need to be mindful of moving forward, especially. And we need to at least safeguard legislative wise against a, a total dictatorship of these few men if it ever gets to that point. So I think, honestly, that story about Donald Trump being banned off Twitter, as comical as it is, it does serve a real purpose in reminding people that, yeah, that's a lot of power in a few people's hands that we all need to keep mind at least a mindful watch on even if we don't do anything directly. Our next story today has to deal with the slow federal crackdown on rioters, who, of course, very famously these past few days, primarily on the 6th, but moving forward, it it still did persist. The rioters and insurrectionists and seditionist acts being taken at the Capitol building are finally now seeing punishment 
no, no longer are the policemen walking them downstairs, holding their hands in bags, and they're not letting them through the gates anymore. The FBI has taken up an investigation looking for any and everybody who was there at the Capitol building who had posed dangerous threats or been in pictures. These people are all being at least confirmed and then brought in in their local state judiciary systems, and it honestly is way overdue. We saw thousands and thousands of people arrested during the Black Lives Matter justice riots, the justice marches, all of these things. And and I do very carefully say justice riots and justice marches, because as I stand with the left and I stand for Black Lives Matter's movement for equality, I do think that there was excess damage done to many number of cities. And those people did deserve punishment. There's no excuse for rioting. There's no excuse for breaking other people's property in the semblance of making a statement. You can fight injustice peacefully. Now, I do understand, and I think many people do understand, that when you go through and and make these marches and then get shot at, it's a different story. So when it comes to the arrests and unlawful abuse by police officers, in those instances, every protester had the right to act the way they did. I understand that, and I, I fully support that, because there's no... Even as we look at it now, we look at the Capitol building, we look at the disgraceful actions done by people throwing a tantrum over the election results. Even in that moment, it is important to realize that if the government is tyrannical, if the government takes actions that are just unjust, then it is rightful for the population to uprise. It is rightful for the population to attempt to overthrow the government in a democratic way. That is how our country came about through a revolution, and it is an understandable change of there is the famous quote watering the tree of democracy with the blood of tyrants and patriots. I understand the appeal and I understand the movement and the need for the movement. However, I also make the case that both of these instances, both the riots from the left wing during the Black Lives Matter marches and whatnot and demonstrations and this capital insurrection. Now, I'm not saying they're on the same level. However, I'm saying both of these were uncalled for. One, of course, being a very minute and reasonable protest, and the other being the actual stormed violence at the Capitol are not the same, however. Looking at Black Lives Matter, we saw thousands of people arrested. We saw about 14,000 people arrested over the course of all of them. However, we saw 13 people arrested the day of the Capitol riots. That is almost indescribably inane, And it's just one of the stupidest statistics I've ever heard, seeing as one was the storming of a federal building and one was the burning of a target. Let me be clear again. I do not support the riots at the Capitol building. I do understand the sentiment that goes along with it, but I do not support it. I do not think that this case in particular meant anything. Uh, There was no rigging of the election. I think the facts stand for themselves. The statistics stands for themselves. But I also think that on the left, People don't seem to understand that these actions at least are rooted in some level of understanding. Again, just to reiterate and to understand the entirety of of the issue with the government cracking down on these people, on these these rioters and insurrectionists, these people who had plotted sedition and fought against our government and our elected officials are not on the same level as those who fought for racial peace and justice. Both acts were acts of violence and both acts do deserve punishment. That said, the righteous acts by those in the streets fighting for and against a a safer police system 
and those fighting over the results of a governmental election are not the same. And that must be understood because I've been seeing a lot of equivocation of the two. And while I did reference them both in kind, that does not mean I feel the same about either of them. The references by the right to try and equivocate the woman veteran who died in the Capitol building, storming the Capitol building to those of George Floyd are not the same. George Floyd was assaulted and killed by police officers minding his own business while she was rioting and breaking into federal property in which is a federal offense which should automatically earn you at least 10 years in jail. As Donald Trump said, he called for it. It was his executive order that called for it. The burning, vandalism, or breaking into a federal building should be mandatory minimum of 10 years. That's what they said. That's what Republicans pushed for, and that's what they pushed through. So now they can reap the benefits of their movement and their actions by a harsher security, harsher penalties. They can pay for that. Watch them because they will. The FBI is making it work. The FBI is using the open code on Parler to find these people, the people tweeting about or rather, uh, I I don't know the colloquial term for what is tweeting on Parler, but messaging and messaging out on Parler, those calling for these riots, they will be punished. There will be federal punishment for these actions and and just for seditionous and treasonous words that that is what they earn. They they're finally going to get what they have uh, they have been calling for for i suppose about a year now but again do not equivocate the two black lives matter riots and the riots at the capitol yes and i will call them riots because that's what they were though most of them were peaceful protests when it came to the racial riots so again it's just in, in in all and in capacity Looking at the two, they are not the same apples and oranges, though, yes, they are both riots. That's what I wanted to clarify, and that's what I want everyone to understand, is that, yes, the burning of public property and other people's private property are both punishable offenses, though one is overthrowing the government illegally, and one is fighting for justice and for a better cause. So, all in all, the equivocation by the media and, of course, the the duopoly of leftist and right media have been going at it over it. And I just wanted to honestly bring a bit of centrism to the whole situation because that's how I feel. I do understand that both left and right have a case to be made, but honestly, they're both in the wrong just to a little degree for the left anyways. And for the right is to a very large degree. And I think a lot of them are coming to realize that as we'll talk about later, it has been a revolution in the GOP the grand old party is falling to its knees. And quite honestly, I don't know if it's going to survive the next coming years. It doesn't look good, as I've previously prophesied and I've, I've stated multiple time, time again. I do not think that the modern Republican Party will stand through the next 10, 20 years because I think it has to fracture as its base is truly splitting on a populist basis that is not going to be able to coalesce under one leader, especially not after Donald Trump. So it's important to realize the situation on both sides. It's important to realize that the media is spinning both sides for both sides, making it very easy to divide people, making it very easy to make it a partisan issue. When in reality, looking back on 2020, looking back on the entirety of the year with both the left and right bringing about at least some level of violence, it's important to realize the difference, the distinction and what it means cultivating in its entirety what it means for the country. And and moving forward into this next story, uh, it, it's important to keep it in mind because honestly, while it may just be a lot of tumultuous, ground-shaking activity, it's important to realize the at least somewhat meaningful impact behind these actions as while they both had a, a true call-to-arms feeling, 
they they both do leave a lasting impression that is going to change politics for at least the next 10 years. Our next story today is going to be Biden's inauguration. It's a real short one because there's not a lot to talk about yet. Of course, he has not been inaugurated and that is still a few days away. But we've got some new information coming out about it. We know that Trump, as previously said, he is not going to be attending the inauguration. He refuses to. He believes it's illegitimate. And of course, after the riot, it would be difficult for him to at least step away from that because it does seem that at least for PR reasons, he would be breaking with his base. And that, of course, after all they've been through, especially these past few days, would just be heartbreaking for the the masses who have supported him. And for future endeavors by Donald Trump would just be at least somewhat political suicide for him to break with them. So he is making the calculated call to not go to Biden's inauguration, which would be a truly rare and undemocratic appearance. While, again, in stark contrast and proving to be far more democratic than his president, Vice President Mike Pence has accepted the invitation to Joe Biden's inauguration. He will be showing up to the 46th presidential inauguration, and he himself will try at least maybe be able to pass off uh, in the meeting of the heads of state being the current president and the next president. He may act as Donald Trump's substitute in that role, though that remains to be seen, though it does seem to at least show and visibly show a break in Republican morale. Instead of sticking with Donald Trump as he has for the past four years, Mike Pence is kind of just breaking down and giving in. He has accepted the fact that Donald Trump is not going to play by the rules. And while he has always been a rule follower, he doesn't believe he can follow him off that cliff anymore, showing that at the very highest level, the vice president has snapped and he will be admitting himself and committing himself to the Republican, at least the older Republican Party, instead of the Donald Trump new way populist Republican Party. So again, it's a developing story. We'll have to see where it goes. But as far as things are concerned for for at least Pence, he is trying to salvage what he can in the last moments of the 45th presidency because he is in trouble now and especially any future political ambitions are in trouble now. So he is trying just his hardest to shore up the dam until the storm comes when Donald Trump leaves office and Joe Biden brings about, I would imagine, a pretty decent retribution against the two of them. So we'll see how that develops. But it does show a very visible break in the Republican Party, which, again, is slowly, slowly tearing itself apart between two sides that I don't think will be able to stand together in the coming years. And our final story today is going to be Donald Trump's possibly second impeachment. Now, there are two parts of the story that are going to be at least explored very quickly here, one being the very short 25th Amendment, the clause behind it. Now, Mike Pence has the ability, if you're unaware, the 25th Amendment grants the vice president the ability to usurp the president in times of inability to rule. What that means, nobody knows because it's never been used. But that doesn't mean it can't be used and that doesn't mean it can't be used liberally, especially in times of extreme disdain for the president, which while I haven't seen many popularity polls of Donald Trump recently, I can't imagine they're very high. Donald Trump is in a a sad state as a leader right now and in a difficult position. So Mike Pence, with the 25th Amendment in mind, has at least admitted to investigating the use of the 25th Amendment. Here's the quotation here. If he gets any more unstable, which is a scary thought that Mike Pence himself thinks that Trump might go more off the deep end compared to where he already is now. So it's it's a bad spot 
But at least he admits that he has thought about using the 25th Amendment. There have been Democrats who've been calling for him to use the 25th Amendment for quite some time now, especially following the Capitol riots. So it's a, it's an interesting position, though it's likely not going to be used. I can't imagine Mike Pence using it in any real capacity. It just doesn't seem like something he would go through with. It doesn't seem politically savvy, nor does it really give any benefits other than to further decrease the prestige of the Republican Party, which is why the Democrats want to see it. However, it's not likely to pass as Mike Pence would be thrown out of the Republican Party all but even if if not, because it's just not a good look for them. And it's it's truly, you know, the wolves eating their own at that point, which is just a terrible look for a, a national level. So that likely won't happen. However, Trump being impeached a second time with about 10 days to go, I can still see it happening. And apparently a lot of Democrats and some Republicans can too. The Democrats threw all their support behind an impeachment attempt, which would unseat Donald Trump, of course, with the support of Republican senators, which was what they lacked previously, which is why he's been impeached but not removed once. The removal part is what requires the majority vote, and they couldn't muster the votes last time, even with Mitt Romney's approval of the removal of the president. Nancy Pelosi quickly did bend to the will of the farther left party as she realized it was a popular standpoint. She, of course, famously stood against impeachment for a very, very, very long time. The initial impeachment was essentially led solely by AOC and the squad to riotous applause. It was a popular position to hold, and it almost went through without Nancy Pelosi. She eventually bent because she didn't want to be the only Democrat not supporting it. But it is important to realize that this time she's with an impeachment process now, which is a stark contrast. And she obviously seems to think that there is momentum behind it and the possibility of it succeeding as it, she wouldn't want to get behind it with it being dead on arrival. This was confirmed, of course, today with two Republican senators and a bit of Republican support from the larger party and its its icons being Chris Christie, who broke with his longtime friend Donald Trump to support impeachment. Of course, Chris Christie being a former governor of New Jersey and all around disliked guy in national politics, much like Scaramucci, who still is anti-Donald Trump ever since he's been fired. However, with two sitting senators being against Donald Trump and being pro-impeachment, that seems to throw out any recesses of anti-impeachment precedent in the Democratic Party. That being a senator from West Virginia, Steve Manchin, he is not a big fan of the larger Democratic Party as a whole, though he's a seated senator in West Virginia as a Democrat, which is just a, a bit impressive. Uh, it would be like a Democrat in Alaska who voted with Trump more than not, however, held to some Democratic principles. This movement, though, with him being pro-Trump while being a Democrat, no longer seems to work within the party, and I can't imagine it'll stay much longer. However, two Democrats from the Senate, one from Alaska, Miss Lisa Murawski and Pat Toomey, he's also a senator who was supporting impeachment, and it's uh, he's out of Pennsylvania for the record. But these two, breaking with the Republican Party and with support from people like Chris Christie from the Republican Party, breaking largely with the GOP on the whole, seeing Pence bow to what is Democratic due process, and watching the Democrats overwhelm even internal squabbles to get this impeachment through, I can't imagine it doesn't happen. And with Chris Christie, there's a quote that is, is incredibly applicable. It's, if this is not an impeachable offense, what is? Which sort of encapsulates the whole reason for impeachment. It's just to hold ourselves to a standard, as it doesn't make a lot of sense to have impeachment here and then never use it. And I only say that not to inspire impeachment against future presidents for no reason, 
But it does beg the question, if you can't impeach him now, then when can you? Because honestly, after a, you know, a seditionist uprising inspired by the president due to a loss in a general election, if, if that isn't the definition of treasonous action, then quite honestly, there's no reason to have impeachment around because there's nothing short of killing other lawmakers with a machine gun on the floor of the Senate that's going to get you an impeachable trial and an impeachable offense. It just seems a bit ridiculous. So with all that said, and, and honestly, with the story being pretty self-explanatory in, in most assets anyways, it does seem that as we further through and and even if he doesn't get impeached post-election, post-inauguration, I should say, it doesn't look good for Donald Trump. I can't imagine he moves forward in national politics. He did float the idea of having a parlor Twitter-esque app or website where you could basically say whatever you wanted and it being under Trump's name with him making revenue from it. That was thought to be a possible outlet for him post-presidency, but now it really does look like there may be jail time, at least criminal investigations into Donald Trump and his family excluding those that have already been explored and are being explored as we speak. There there could be further criminal results from those that we don't know about. However, this directly right now may have finally kneecapped him and, and ended what could be his political legacy. So we'll have to see. Of course, that remains to be seen. And honestly, there have been bigger upsets in history before. So we, we don't know anything at the time. But looking at all the facts as we see them now, there's a lot going on and it truly is Quite the going out with a bang. There was no quiet, and of course, no one would have expected a quiet and final resolution to the Trump presidency. It's been quite the four years. But with all that said, Joe Biden will be coming in the next few days, and whether it's peace and dignity that returns or foreign airstrikes and intervention that returns, we will see. Thank you for listening through to the end. We'd really appreciate it if you check us out at Aligning America on Instagram and Twitter. And if you really enjoyed it and want more content like this, be sure to head over to our Patreon to ensure we can keep putting out episodes, changing hearts and minds one podcast at a time. Thank you.